0: So hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with David Kep, the screenwriter behind some of your favorite movies. He's written or co-written the screenplays for over 30 films from Death Becomes Her and Jurassic Park to Mission Impossible and his latest film, Kimmy, directed by Steven Soderbergh. He's also written two novels, Cold Storage and Aurora, both of which are being adapted into films, and he's directed many films as well. So, David, clearly you do a lot, but I was just wondering where you are right now and what you're doing today.
1: I'm in my apartment in New York City. My daughter, my 11-year-old daughter is home from school with a virus, so I am actually in the bedroom where it's quiet. She's watching TV in the living room, <laughs> and when my wife comes home, I will go to my office, which is one block away, and I'm trying very hard to finish a draft of something this week so I don't have to work next week.
0: Is this office space a place that you've gone to for a while? How long have you had that in your working life?
1: This one is temporary. It's just a, you know, in a shared space thing. And I rented an office with a door. Normally it's an office I've had for 20 years, but we're currently living in that apartment because we had moved away for a year and we haven't bought a new apartment to live in yet. So it's a bit of a shuffle.
0: Is this new space conducive to your writing life? It sounds like you're turning along if you're going to hit this deadline by the end of the week.
1: It's um, my new space sucks (laughs) Um, and and I complain about it a lot, but I don't want our podcast to be taken up with that. It's convenient. It was available. I looked at it in August and uh, nobody was there. And I came to find out when I started working there in September that the walls are like paper. I work next door to Gabe from Global Opportunities, who is on the phone all day. Um, oh, no. And I'm telling you, I want to buy a timeshare from him if it'll encourage him to take the rest of the day off. So I got, so I got a sound machine that I put by the wall. I wear headphones. I listen to movie scores when I work. And I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Do
0: you have a, a certain playlist that you listen to? Or do you just kind of choose one based on what you're feeling that day?
1: It depends on the project. It depends on what I'm working on. I make a playlist for everything that I write, um, and that's actually some of the most fun because it's not writing, and you can kill time saying, wait, maybe I need this piece from Sicario, and maybe it should go here. Most, I don't listen to anything with lyrics because they get in your head and affect what you're writing. Very distracting. So it, it's it's all uh, movie scores or classical music.
0: So when you do go to this office space with your neighbor Gabe later today, do you know exactly What you're going to be working on and what your goal is by the end of the day
1: yes i'm gonna start i just finished a draft uh i'm working with a director on a project i've been on for several years and the director's now on it and i just finished the draft i gave him you know with all his notes and collaborations and he was uh, happy with it i'm happy to say so i'm i got his next round of notes i hope to do this in the next few days so that he can sign off on it and we'll give it to the studio Let the battle begin.
0: (laughs) Well, this is something I, I hadn't thought about before, because in journalism, you're sort of marking up a copy of a draft, but with screenplays, is a director giving you notes directly on your script, or is it a sort of email or letter outlining the things that they might have suggestions for? How do you sort of deliver notes in that way and take them in?
1: It depends at what stage in the project you are. Early on, or on a first draft, the notes can be of a more general nature. It's always best if you can do it by talking it out. But not all directors are great verbal communicators. So if you can urge them to write things down, it's helpful. And then you can take time to digest it and think about each bit before you respond. So it depends on the stage. We're at a later stage where this is my second draft for him. And I trust him. You got to figure out if you trust the director or not. And if Mm -hmm. they are good at giving notes, not all directors are. And if their instincts about story and character are good, not all directors instincts are. And I do trust him and he's a writer as well, which is super helpful. So I've been giving him every 30 pages and then get his comments and go back and rewrite as I go. So this is really, we're at a kind of polished stage. So it's, it's getting very specific right now.
0: And you joked about the next step of taking it to the studio and let the battle begin. And so I was wondering, how do you deal with notes that you might not agree with from producers or studios? What is the David Kep response?
1: Well, the first thing, that that, it's an excellent point because that is what defines you as a screenwriter. How do you handle notes? Because you're going to get a ton of them. And you're going to get them from many different people. And the bigger the project, the more you get. Well, that's not necessarily true. But the bigger the project, certainly the more people are involved. So I early on, a director friend of mine said, look, here's what you have to sort out. You have to ask yourself two questions every time you get a note. Am I agreeing to this note because it's easier than fighting? Or am I agreeing to this note because it's a good idea? Mm -hmm. Likewise, am I arguing the note because a bad note or am i arguing the note because it wasn't my idea and you got to answer all those and ask yourself you know yesterday the director uh lee one it's not, not no secret he's uh he directed the invisible man was his last movie it was very good and he gave me a note that was i think your movie ends six pages sooner than you think it does he said i think you know after blah 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 blah, blah it happens i feel like the, the story is full and complete and it's great and if that just attenuated a tiny bit that's where we should end but i don't think you need these you know at first inside one's first reaction is always that's ridiculous (laughs) get wrong and i'll tell you why but within like two minutes i realized oh my god he's right and then i started flipping through those pages while he was talking i was like this can go that can go there's no reason for that there's no reason for that having someone else's viewpoint is absolutely vital in a way that it isn't so much in a book but in a movie for sure
0: yeah, you mentioned the difference between, obviously, writing scripts and writing novels. And, you know, screenwriting is so concise and precise and structured in images, right? What are we seeing on screen? What are people doing? What are they saying? So when you moved into writing novels, did that feel freeing to you? It's like, okay, we can have an internal monologue for six pages. We can dive into their innermost thoughts. What exactly gravitated you towards that medium?
1: Uh, yeah, I was giddy. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't realized that for 30 years in writing screenplays, I'd been writing only what a character does or says. And I, I really had no access to their, you know, inner life feelings. That's why great screenwriting, you're like, wow, I really feel like I got inside that character. It's really hard to do because what you have is sound and visuals. So if they don't say it to somebody or behave in a certain way that indicates who they are and what they're going through. You can't express it. I mean, you can use voiceover, but it's a, it's a tired, um, Mm -hmm. that doesn't always work. So I started writing cold storage. I assumed it was going to be a movie and because all my ideas are movies, I started to write a little background on the character, you know, and I thought, well, I might as well make this prose decent. There's no reason to make it into a horrible movie treatment. Let's try and write a good paragraph. So I just wrote a paragraph where the character arrives at work at a job he hates. And I said, well, that was fun. I'm going to keep going and see what happens. And I wrote two or three pages. And within a few pages, I thought, this is so fun. And I haven't done this kind of writing since I wrote short stories in my teens and 20s. And so I just kept going. And to see where the story would take me which is something you can do i think or i found i could do in a novel in a way that you can't in a screenplay screenplays are deeply reliant on pre-thought-out structure and i said so by page 10 i thought well maybe it's a long short story and then page 50 i thought Oh, maybe it's a novella and page 100 i thought oh god i have to make a novel <laughs> 200 more pages um And so it was a delight to have that kind of access to a character's inner life. It was just dizzying how much freedom it gave me. I could digress. I could go off two or three pages about what it was like for him in high school. I could bring in another character and go into their inner life. And I loved it.
0: And so now that it's going to be adapted into a film, what is the process of sort of paring back now all of those details and basically applying the screenwriting structure onto this 300-page novel? That sounds like an entirely different challenge.
1: Yes. It wasn't terribly hard with cold storage. I'd be lying if I didn't say all the time I was writing the book, I was making decisions about what the script of the book would look like, Mm. because that's just a... It's just an instinct that was hard to turn off for me, you know? And I feel like that one adapted pretty straightforwardly into a film. It's been harder with my second book, Aurora. These adaptations have taken more time and aren't done yet because it's, not, it's constructed much more like a novel with no movie in mind than Cold Storage was. It, it needs bigger leaps of imagination to try to bring it into the new medium.
0: Do you work on multiple projects then at the same time? It sounds like they're sort of in different stages, but how do you kind of toggle back and forth between these completely different worlds?
1: So, you know, you do have to go back and forth between things. I don't like to. I definitely can't work on two things at once because then my subconscious says, well, what am I supposed to think about in the shower? I have to do one thing at a a time. I can switch. It takes me a day or two to clear my head of one and sink my thinking into the other but definitely not two at the very same time that's that's some people do it I cannot
0: do you have any favorite tools for procrastination
1: um I love them all so much I don't know which one's my favorite I have I, I have, a, I have a least favorite I have my bitter enemies which is easier to talk about you know favorite things is, is just involves anything I enjoy doing but the enemies of work the number one enemy is the internet Without question I'm sure I'm not alone in that it's you know it's it's the death of coherent thought among its other sins and I fight that you know I'm in a pitch battle with my phone like everybody else and my computer where I work and create thoughts is also where with a click I can go to some stupid website and read something that's not good for me so I try you know when it's going well I don't feel the temptation um Mm -hmm. because I'm interested in what I'm doing and it's going well when it's not going well boy oh boy is it tempting so what i i use uh, freedom which is an app that you know you set how long you want it to shut off your internet for i pick an hour and your computer stops being an interesting place so naturally you pick up your phone and if you move if you just move your phone to the other side of the room so that you have to get up to go get it and turn freedom on your computer Within about 90 seconds, you'd start writing because what else are you going to do? look at old pictures? Right.
0: You're bored. There's nothing, there's nothing to do.
1: And then it bings after an hour and says, okay, look, you can look at the internet again. And then you look at your mail or whatever, whatever your vice is.
0: And there's never anything interesting, right? No, you didn't
1: (laughs) miss a goddamn thing.
0: (laughs) So I, I love when people show their work, their work process, their creative process. And so one of my new procrastination tools is now I'm obsessed with a page on your website, this section called the script archive, where you've uploaded a couple dozen scripts, some were produced, some not. And I was just wondering why you decided to share all of those with the world.
1: Well, I felt like I had saved them. Um, You know, I'm a, I'm not a hoarder, but I'm a saver. (laughs) And I had so many hard copies of things dating back quite a, ways many because i still like to read on paper and scribble on it that's for rewrites you know i went through a thing i was moving offices or going through endless boxes and so I, i was scanning everything and then i had everything in a handy scanned database and i i needed to create a website anyway for when the first book came out and i thought this this is something i have to offer that might be of interest you know and people ask me for do you have a draft of you know, panic room a lot over the years or you know, to pick a script at random? And rather than keeping it on file and then, you know, Xeroxing it and then FedExing it to them <laughs> as we used to, I thought I should just publish all this stuff and make it make it available. So since it was a labor intensive thing to create the website anyway, I said, hey, let's add this feature and put all this stuff out there. And you know, if someone asks for something, I can steer them toward that. And then the feedback I started getting was so good that I uh, vowed to do more. I actually, when I have a little gap in my schedule, I'm going to do another update because I've got another couple dozen scripts I want to put up there. A couple
0: dozen? Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, it's been a long career, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, some going back that I found uh, and some more recent, you know, that either were or weren't produced. I don't own any of these which is or I do the ones that didn't sell but I don't anything that was produced I don't own the script and I'm not supposed to publish it and uh, the studio owns it but and I just figured somebody really gets bent out of shape because they don't want Mission Impossible up on the script up on the internet where it's advertising and maybe selling rentals they can call me and
0: And you're very candid, though, in in some of your descriptions of these scripts and early scripts. And a lot of your films typically involve big ideas or extraordinary circumstances, but the characters all feel very real and grounded. And do you think of that as a sort of personal trademark in your writing? Or are there trademarks in the way you construct a script or write dialogue or write characters? What would you say those are?
1: There are separate issues. You know, one is... One is content and one is style. In terms of content, if it's an original, a story I dream up, I'm attracted to a certain kind of story and a certain kind of character in my viewing and in my writing. I very much like someone that I can identify with in one way or another. And then I can, when writing them, pull out parts of myself or people that I know well. And I like that person to have something extraordinary happen to them because I think that's interesting. And we don't watch movies to see somebody pick up their dry cleaning. You watch movies to see something happen, something interesting, something different. In terms of style, it's hard for a screenwriter to have a recognizable, you know, style unless they direct the thing themselves. But in terms of the printed word, I work hard on my screenplays. I'll do whole drafts that are just meant at reducing words. Take out four pages, only... You know, trimming sentences or rewording them to be simpler because I think it's imperative that a screenplay be a decent reading experience first. They're tough documents to read because unlike a novel, they call on the reader to supply their own images. And so you have to evoke those images in the reader's mind and you have to keep them moving at a pace that is roughly equivalent to a movie. It should certainly not take longer to read a screenplay than it takes to watch a movie. So a lot of my style is... Designed to make the reading experience pleasant, occasionally funny, and and moving. You know, not not stuff you have to slug through. Like, if there's three long paragraphs of description in a row, I have failed and the reader will not get through the page. They'll either skip it or they'll close the script.
0: Mm. Something, too, that I just noticed in reading a few of the scripts, it just felt like there was clarity above all, which is something that I think really trips up early writers early career writers is I don't know sort of overcomplicating things by trying to have some kind of voice that clouds what's actually happening in the story
1: yeah I agree there's what they do and say what happens that's what matters don't get in the way if you want to be amusing occasionally that's okay but do it briefly and in your stage descriptions and if you want to if you want to cheat once in a while, that's okay too, because you don't have all the tools a movie has. So if you say, the man with the baguette, and then in parentheses, whom we remember from the scene outside the store, you know, like you can say that to help a reader out. In a movie, you'd go, oh, it's Baguette guy, and you remember because <laughs> you saw him. So that was a reference to the opening of French Connection. I, I try very hard for clarity, so I'm glad you felt that.
0: So when you're going through a script to reduce words or edit yourself, basically, are you looking at it on a desktop, a laptop? This is a very technical question.
1: Oh, my own self-editing, I print it out. When I go into work I'll, and reread yesterday's stuff, I'll read that on the screen. Because I'm really, I'm not looking for an overall picture. I'm looking to clean it up, you know, fix a few things, produce a few things. But if I have any kind of chunk, you know, 30 pages or more that I want to sit down and read, I print them out. Because you can see it, you know, this computer screen is very tricky and you can't get an overall look and you can't flip back two pages quickly and circle something and Mark put this on 38, you know, Mm -hmm. it it just, it works vastly better for me to have a printed thing. And then I can get ideas as I go and I always leave a blank page at the front because that's where I write notions that maybe don't have a particular page they go on.
0: Oh, for like little orphans and things that you're going to insert yeah, like in there.
1: Yeah, like a line I want or, you know, got to figure out his mother thing, you know. So.
0: <laughs> There's always a mother thing, right?
1: Got to figure it out.
0: So what what is your favorite part of the writing process? Since you're going to be doing that later this afternoon, how do you get the feeling that like you did your job today? You did a job, I guess, well done.
1: It's not so much if I feel like the work itself that I did was good. It's that if I did any. You know, um, just engaging your brain and getting it moving, even if it's kind of lame, but you took a shot at it. Because then then your mind is on it and your brain does know what to think about in the shower. And you'll come back the next day with a better thing. So if I feel like, okay, I engaged and I moved the the ball forward a little bit, that would be great. Today, my goals are higher. I really want to get through this draft and the notes aren't that hard. So I would love to go in and engage quickly, not kill 90 minutes on the internet. Get at least halfway through so that I can do the other half tomorrow because I'm in the later stages of editing something and it really is editing at this point, editing and a little rewriting. I can have specific, you know, page goals.
0: When you're done with that goal, is there any way that you just sort of close down for the day and say like, okay, I'm, I have enough left in the tank to return to this tomorrow? Or how do you kind of, signal to yourself the day is pretty much done
1: leaving an office i've always i've found an office out of the house important since i had kids and i had kids a long, you know, 28 years ago and my youngest is 11 so it's been you know i've had kids as long as i can as long as i've been working almost and just so working out of the house is important just leaving the office changes the vibe and changes your thinking and then coming home you know um i'm happy to see my wife i'm happy to see my daughter and then you know we'll sit down and eat and i do enjoy a glass of Pinot noir and so those are the same as everybody pretty clear second fires. the day's over if it's really going well i'll stay late because it's hard to interrupt if it's going well i probably should i'm
0: gonna let you get to it and thanks for sharing a little bit about what you're doing today it was a pleasure
1: my pleasure thanks for having me